Welcome back, Degenerates, to another episode of Mad Handicapping. We will bring you the Week 12 of the NFL this week. We will also review at the beginning of the podcast our Week 11 best bets, leans, and likes. We'll let you know how we did on that and any big major moves we had in the NFL, any injuries, anything like that. We'll let you know any major move in our ratings or in our power rankings of our teams. Other than that, we will jump into the podcast and give you our five best bets of the week, let you know anything else that we see that we'd like. Also, I know some people don't want to get through the whole podcast. they rather get straight to the bets. So for those people, I will go ahead and give my five best bets out at the beginning of the podcast as well, just in case you didn't want to listen all the way through. We will also be doing this further on and out. For the beginning of every podcast, Mason and I will go ahead and give our five best bets. And if you want to listen to how we got there and how we broke it down and got those to be our best bets, you can continue to listen on. So first off, my first one is Bears plus eight and a half. I have the Raiders at minus three, Chargers plus four and a half, Bucks at plus three, and I changed the Denver Broncos to the Panthers at plus four and a half. Uh, I had Denver at plus six at first, but breaking news on the quarterback, Denver does not have a starting starting quarterback, which I did not know when we were recording the podcast at the time. I'll let y'all know before y'all get into that, though. I will say Denver has the best bet. Just know that I'm going with my lean on the Panthers instead. We were able to find a book at four and a half instead of three and a half. So we'll stick with that as a best bet for me. Mace, on the other hand, has five best bets of Raiders at minus three as well. Seahawks minus five, Cardinals at minus two, and Saints at minus six. And he will be betting against me. We'll be going head-to-head on the Chargers-Bills. He has the Bills at minus four and a half. I will be taking Chargers at plus four and a half. Other than that, that's about it. We'll go ahead and let you know how we did last week and give you any details and anything else that you need to know for this week in our best bets. Thanks. to mad handicapping first we'll give you a review of our week 11 picks and leans and let you know how we did mace let's start with you you know last week definitely could have gone better for me pulled up one four on the week so we got a lot to build on this week but last week i had my winning bet texans and patriots under 48.5 it hit by the skim of its teeth not by much but got the job done miami minus three and a half over denver did not get the job done. I did not anticipate Tua imploding quite like he did. So note that for this week. Jets and Chargers at the under. Yeah, I'm, I'm just done betting unders. Um, unders are for cowards, so no more of that. Justin Herbert struck again. I had the Vikings minus seven versus the Cowboys. That also did not pay out. That was um, disappointing to say the least. Really hoping on the Cowboys sucking again. But they did that this week, so got that to look forward to. And last one was the Bengals, plus 1.5 versus Washington. Uh, the Burrow injury really hurt that one. Yeah, so, yeah. Decent. Yeah, Cowboys you know, Burrow. that uh, hurts Bengals definitely a lot going forward for betting purposes. And Washington looked pretty good that game, so. They did. N- worth noting also. What about you on last week? So, last week, first game I had was the Cleveland Browns. 
I believe they were minus two in that game. Yeah, they were minus two and a half. They ended up getting it done against the Eagles, just pretty much outplaying them all across the board that game. Wasn't really worried. So if you bet on that one, you were a winner like me. Second one I had was a very disappointing game. We had the Detroit Lions giving up three points to the Carolina Panthers, who absolutely dominated that game. P.J. Walker came in and played like he had been in the NFL for years, seemingly untouched. He did have, I will say, he didn't look that great. He had a few turnovers, <laughs> didn't play amazing, but somehow he got the job done, and they skunked the Lions, making them look like they were back in the 0-16 year, and they beat them 20-0. Not a good game. Sorry about that one, guys, but... Made it back to you right away with the Titans at the Ravens getting six points. They win that game outright by six in overtime. Yeah, they basically did exactly what I had figured they'd do. They played really good offense. The defense closed up. They focused on Lamar in the run. They were still able to score and drive, but Tennessee, Tennessee's offense was definitely more of a high-powered and focused offense and were able to win that game easy. Derrick Henry still a monster? Still a monster. Never give up on that guy. He's an absolute animal. And next, I had the same best bet as Mace last week with the Vikings, <laughs> minus seven. That one, you know, there's a lot of games where after the fact, you can go back and find out where you went wrong, and you can understand it. And this one, I still don't understand it. And especially after watching the Thursday Thanksgiving game that Washington put the put them hands on the Cowboys, it was just, I don't, I don't know what happened that game. Minnesota clearly was the better team. Uh, I know Kirk Cousins went down for, uh, I think, two or three drives that game. But still, I mean, you'd expect that team overall to play a lot better than the hurt and beat-up Dallas Cowboys who can't play a lick of defense. But it did not come through. But no fear, this week we'll have even better picks for you. Um, last but not least, Raiders plus eight. They almost won that game outright. Uh, I had money on both the money line and the plus eight. So if you took that, that was a solid bet. It was in the bag basically from the beginning. It was Chiefs playing catch-up with the Raiders. Uh, good you double-dipped on that money line? I did, I did. I forgot yeah, to let Got a little greedy. You know. I did. I uh, still made money, put more on the spread, but I did have to put a little bit on that money line just to see if they could get it done. But I should have known better than to bet against Mahomes straight up second game of the year versus a division rival. They already beat you, so... But still, if you put your money on the spread, like I said, you are a winner. So that'll wrap up our best bets of the week 11. First episode also of our podcast we did. We I went 3-2. and two. Mace went a sad 1-4, and four, but yeah, nothing happens. to fear. It happens to everyone. We're going to shake back and give you a great record this week. So that'll be 4-6. and six. Yeah, 4-6. Four 4-6 and six. Six. Four and six total for us so far. Not a great start, but... You know, we're coming for the book's money. Yeah, we are. We're coming for it, that's for sure. Just stay stay with us. Continue to subscribe and listen weekly. And uh, we'll go ahead and get you to week 12 and get you some winners out this week. So uh, y'all listen up and enjoy. Let's dive in. Okay, first up for week 12, we have the Las Vegas Raiders visiting the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons getting three points at home over under 53 and a half. We have two best bets on this game to start it off for you. Me and Mace both have chose the Las Vegas Raiders getting three. Yeah, we're doubling up on this one. Falcons have a laundry list of injuries going down. Just came out that Gurley is out. So that's definitely going to hurt Falcons, although he hasn't been playing that great this year. But 
You also got Julio, who's questionable. He hasn't practiced so far this week. And even if he does play, I don't think he'll be full strength. No. And Vegas, they played Chiefs tough last week. Honestly, probably could have won that game, maybe should have. But Falcons, just with all those injuries and just not a great team already, tough, especially only giving up three. I don't see them pulling that one out. Yeah, you know, I was looking into the Falcons to start, but there's just not much I feel like going for that team. They have not played great football lately, and we all know that they can give up a game no matter how much they're up, 20 points, 17 points, it doesn't matter. By half, any team, it seems like, can come back on the Falcons. Just not much going for them. The offense is about their only bright side. Like you said, I see five key injuries to the offense. One for sure, Lee Gurley will be out. You got the rest of your receiving core and tight end questionable. It's not what you want to go into a game where you're probably going to have to shoot it out and put some points on the board with Las Vegas. They have a really good run team behind Josh Jacobs, who should be playing. He's questionable, but I think he'll go. I think he will. That, that, that'll be good for them. They need that. And Derek Carr, man, we got some surprising stats on him. He, His DVOA is just outstanding this year, and nobody's really talking about it. I believe he was fourth in the league or for quarterbacks on DVOA. He's playing great. He's one of the best on third down, third and long, third and short. He doesn't matter. He gets it done. Very accurate thrower and smart thrower. Yeah, and a couple trends we got going on. Las Vegas is 4-1 against the spread this season. Atlanta's 1-4 against the spread at home this season. And Atlanta is 0-4 against the spread with teams with a winning record this season. So nothing that really gives me confidence in Atlanta this weekend, but some that give me confidence in Vegas. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much why we're doubling up on the best bet this weekend with them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it should definitely be more. I think it should be about five points for Atlanta, especially after this girly injury. So if you can catch it on the market at three, that's what we're putting the best bet in. I'll take it at three and a half. Wouldn't like to go over it, but for surely look for the three, and that's our first best bet of the week. That was some confidence on it. Okay, next up we have the Los Angeles Chargers visiting the Buffalo Bills. Bills giving up four and a half points at home over under 53. We have two bets going on on this week, two best bets. But they will be going head-to-head against each other for the first time. Mason has the Buffalo Bills giving up four and a half. I took the underdog Chargers going into Buffalo. Mace? This one really comes down to who you like more, me or Mike, and who you're riding with. <laughs> um, Mike, he has the trends last week, but trust me on this one. You're going to want to go Bills. This is Herbert's first game in Buffalo. It's chilly out there. You might see some snow. And uh, Josh Allen, Bills, they obviously play in Buffalo a lot. They're a little more used to that weather. And um, I just, Chargers don't win games. They might keep it close sometimes, but Bills have above average defense. Chargers have a real bad defense, and Bills have shown they can score. I'm I'm around with Bills this week, and I'm pretty confident on it. Yeah, this is going to be a close one, but I disagree. I think that the line is just, when I first had looked at this, I did also have it at five. Now it's gone down to four and a half before bets have been placed in. From us so four and a half isn't as isn't as pretty as five was looking for me but it just seems too high for me uh, even if he's going into Buffalo for the first time Herbert and this Chargers have played amazing offensively this year they're a top 10 offense easy only thing really holding them back on that side of the ball I would say is their coaching he doesn't seem to get it done at the end of games and in crunch time 
when uh, things need to happen. But other than that, man, uh, defenses I feel like are pretty average. DVOA has the Bills ranked 17th, the Chargers at 20th. Chargers will be at, be without Ingram, Hayward, and a linebacker by Nuosu. Three starters on the team that they definitely could use. So you can see the defense going down even a little more, which is not what you want to see against a Buffalo team that has a high-powered offense like Josh Allen does. Bills have Cody Ford starting tackle and John Brown wide receiver out. Definitely noteworthy injuries. Um, Bills have a deeper receiving core than people are willing to admit, though, I think. You got Gabriel Davis, who might step up this weekend. You, we've seen what Diggs has done in this offense. He's been phenomenal. One of the best in the Looking league. like a top three receiver for sure this year so far. This is why you pay me. That's why you pay the big bucks. And you also got Beasley. Don't let him fly under the radar. He's been money in the slot. Been a great fit for that team. Um I think the injuries are something noteworthy for the Chargers that hindered them a little bit for me. And also, the uh, Chargers are 0-4 against their spread, against the spread in the last four games. And However, Herbert is 3-0 against the spread as an underdog of at least five points. Oh. So, that could bode well for your Chargers. That's I'm, a big I'm stat. With the Bills. Let's not slide over there, folks. Did you hear that? Justin Herbert is 3-0, you said? 3-0 against the spread as an underdog of at least five points. Huh. And what is this line looking like? Minus four and a half. So, we're getting real close to that five. Yeah, that's a. I didn't even see that. That's a big stat. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I had to help you out somehow. <laughs> I need it. Uh, a couple big ones for me, big trends, where the Chargers are 6-1 and one straight up in their last seven versus Buffalo. That's a pretty big stat. Now you're going into Buffalo getting five points. Now, agree the Chargers are a new team this year, but they still have a lot of pieces, especially on that defense that they've had over the past couple years. They're very, they play well together, and it's just good team football over there. They're just missing one or two things, and I really think it's just with the coaching. Outside of that, they have the talent, I think, on both sides of the football. Uh, Eckler should be hopefully back this week. There's they rumors of that. a chance to play. We don't know for sure yet. The Lodge is ready to go. If not, though. That's good. That's good. I'd like to see Eckler back in that backfield. That would be a huge boost for that Chargers offense, I think. Herbert's been putting up numbers without him. He might look real good with him back there. So it'll be interesting. Um, like I said, I'm sticking with Buffalo. With You got Desmond King got traded. You also got, uh, what's that cornerback who got injured? Let's, let me look this up. Oh, Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward also <clears throat> out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's going to be tough to cover up a receiving core that's had a real good year so far with Josh Allen. In Buffalo, I just, I can't see it going Chargers way. I think Chargers will put up some points. I think Overs looking pretty juicy here. But I'm still sticking with Buffalo on the line. I'm glad you brought that up. So, this week we decided to do all best bets as just spreads. We won't choose any over and unders as our main best bets because the super contest we're in is only spreads. So, we're not focusing too, too much, at least at this current time, on our over and unders. But we will take a look at all of them and give you any leans that we think or any, anything we like about them. And this one, I have a huge lean. If I could best bet it, I would. This game is going over. There's no doubt about it. Chargers have gone over in seven straight games. Eight out of their last nine road games they've gone over. Eckler might be back. They're hurting on defense. Bill's defense is still just a mediocre defense. I see a lot of scoring, high scoring. Chargers are more than likely going to be trying to keep up with the Bills and Buffalo. And I see this game going easily into the 30 points for both teams. So 
Did you say seven straight Chargers games have hit the over? Yes. That's seven. interesting. The over is eight and two in Buffalo games this year. Oh, wow. We're looking over city. Yeah, it it's is. It's looking good. Yeah. Almost so good to be true. It's looking juicy. I have it at easily a 55-point over and under right here. I mean, this is... Look, we gave you two best bets on two different sides. Go whichever way you please. We've given you all the stats and analytics we could. But if you're going to have to make another bet and you don't want to split between me and Mace or Mace and I, that over is fantastic for Chargers against the Bills at 53. Life's too short to bet the under. I agree. Okay, next up we have the New York Giants visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals getting six points at home over under 44 and a half. This is the largest line move I've seen in a while. We've got a three and a half point move since the Burr injury came out. Oh wow! So yeah, that's um, if you were able to snag Giants at two point five, I might be looking Those a little more favorable yeah. on that. That's looking really good right about now. A lot of bet and money's coming in on the Giants still, but man, six is a large line for a team that is th- has a winning percentage of under thirty three percent. So that's um. That's a lot of points to give a team that hasn't won a lot of games. It is. I, I, I'm i very confused with yeah, it, to be honest. Maybe Vegas knows something we don't, but like Mike said, we have no best bets on this game. Um, staying away from this one just because that, that six-point line is looking a lot for a New York Giants team that hasn't shown a lot this year. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think the Giants, look, they're not as bad as people want to say they are. Watching a couple of their games, uh... Injuries really hurt them this year for Shirley, and they're definitely missing some pieces, don't get me wrong. They're not a great team. They're also still fighting for their division, which is interesting at the record they have, but I think everybody knows what's going on by now with that division. You mean the NFC Beast? Yeah, the shit show over there in NFC. I mean, it's just, it's not good, but either way, I don't understand the six. I have this game at about three, I could see it up three and a half with the Burrow injury. I think they had the line movement right at opening value, which was two and a half, you said? Three? Two and a half. I don't know if this was the Sharps bringing this up or the public, but I'm assuming it's the public after Joe Burrow's horrific injury where he tore multiple things in his knee. You know, New York has not been a road favorite of at least four points since week 12 of 2016. Oh, my god! So gosh. not even... Something they've never seen before. Yeah, this is new for them. They're in uncharted territory. I think there's a blinding stat out there that people are getting caught up in, and it's New York Giants are 5-0 and against the spread on the road this year. Mm-hmm. Let me just say something. Three of those wins on the road are division games already. So if you already looked at their division, you can understand that three of those wins against the spread, they're not very spectacular no, they're against they don't teams yeah they're against teams that are same level as them nothing better now they're going against the Bengals. who don't get me wrong they don't have anything to show on the team <laughs> they have joe mixon's gone and now joe burrow the life of the team but there's no way that that quarterback alone was getting everything done for this team there's other people in that team playing hard and playing good i know they don't have much to play for but there's a reason I'm going to go ahead and give you all this lean this week on the Bengals plus six at home. I Like I said, this this should be about a three and a half point game. The Giants are not that good to go on the road and give up six to the Bengals, who in their last six games against the Giants have won all six straight up. They are also 3-0-1 against the spread at home this year. Granted, that's with Joe Burrow. Now you'll be having Ryan Finley starting this week. Ryan Finley. But that might be a downgrade, which it is. I have it as a point and a half. No, I'm sorry, I have it as a two-point downgrade to Ryan Finley from Burrow. 
on my uh, ratings, but one thing about having a new quarterback come in, it's hard for your offense, but it's also hard for the defense. They haven't been studying this quarterback. They, even if they know he's going to play for a week, that's not enough time to get your defense acclimated to the type of offense that's going to be run under him. As far as injuries go in this one, um, there was a huge rush to pick up some AJP Ryan for fantasy purposes this week. But Zach Taylor came out today and said he expects Gio Bernard to play. Okay. So um, I think that helps Ryan Finley out a lot, gives him a safety valve in the backfield for those checkdown routes. Yeah, catcher. And Gio's Bernard. a great catcher in the backfield. And, I mean, you still got some studs on that receiving core. Oh, for sure. You got Boyd out there. You got A.J. Green. Don't you got Higgins. Don't say his name, though. A.J. Green, man. <laughs> He's you know, He might be Ryan Finley's guy. We don't know. Hey, you know what? That's he a could. great point. Ryan Finley has no repertoire with any of those receivers. I mean, no. he hasn't played first-team snaps since probably Burrow was in the womb. Yeah. So, I mean... Like you said, he's got no repertoire with anybody on that offense. So, nobody, who's to say he's going to play great, but who's to say he's going to play bad? Nobody knows. And, and against a Giants D, that's not incredible. No. It's, it's a lot of unknowns. Is a lot to give up on the road. So, we'll wrap up this segment with a lean from Mike, your fifth generation gambler on the Cincinnati Bengals plus six at home. Okay, next up we have the Tennessee Titans visiting the Indianapolis Colts. Colts minus three at home, over under 51 and a half. This might be the game I'm most excited for this weekend. Interdivisional games are always fun. Uh, that Thursday night game a couple weeks ago wasn't great, and I think this is one Titans got circled on their calendar. Revenge game, this is battle for first in division. A lot going on in this game. Uh, both teams fairly healthy. You got a couple questionables with Rivers with the toe injury. Uh, Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson are both questionable. I expect all of them to go, but they're definitely nursing some injuries. Tennessee comes in pretty healthy. Um, and they came off a big win. Big win, a fiery win. Yeah. They came off that uh, oh, they were. dancing on the shield. Let's at take midfield. a second talk about that. Brable getting into it with Harbaugh. He looked stiff out there, he though. He was not, he no. looked like he was honestly trying to avoid the conflict. But it looked to me, at least from my point, Harborough kept barking at him, which I'm not I saying he was in the wrong. Butler and Malcolm Butler and AJ Brown definitely instigated that, and Harborough wasn't trying to have any of it. Yep. And Variable, as a coach, you got to stick up for your players, and he did. He did, and they uh they backed it up out there. They looked good. They did. It was impressive. They that was a fiery battling win. Titans for sure. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say? Derrick Henry's. So what does that what does that do for your team next week? That gives you a boost. You'd You're say. riding the momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, you got a lot coming in this. Um, Both teams seven and three. Is I that believe correct? seven and three. Um, tied up top for that division, filled with the Texans and Jags. Neither of which are looking like a threat. Maybe the Jags. No, no, I think Litter Kitties <laughs> might be packing it up on the season. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean we don't we don't have any best bets on this game with that, but I'm I'm hitting a lean on the Titans this game. In Indianapolis, okay. I like them still. I think personally I think they're the better team. Offense they defy all metrics, but they're looking good. Uh Tannehill's still doing his thing. You know what Derek Derrick Henry's gonna do, and um I think Colts can have a they're gonna they're going to do their thing on defense. They're good. Uh, but on any given day, they can have a pretty bad offensive performance. You know, they've played really well, def really good defense. Mm -hmm. Their key is a pass rush. They're very good at the pass rush. They don't get a huge amount, crazy amount of sacks, but they force the pressure, and they make quarterbacks make bad throws. That trade for Buckner this offseason worked out yes. really well for them. They gave up a first-round pick, a high pick, mm -hmm. but it's paid oh, off he's for He's got them. the talent, he's, and they, yeah. he fits well in that scheme. 
That defense is no joke, man. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Derrick Henry is not no fucking joke, man. No. That guy is a hard man to stop. And especially if that offense is fluid, which is what it's looking like it's again. Looking it's getting fluid. that second half yeah. revive again. They played, what, three strong games earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Kind of slowed down. People started to question them. They dropped in my rankings as well. And lately, they've just really started to step it up a notch. Defense, they don't have a great defense. They haven't had one all year, but they are playing better when it needs to happen. Big yeah. third downs. Uh, forcing turnovers, doing what they need to do. But I don't see how the Colts, even with that top five, top three defense, Derrick Henry is going to put some points up, and that that opens it up for Ryan Tannehill all day. That's what makes him look like a great yep. quarterback. And some quick hitters on this game. Tennessee is 7-1 and one against the spread and 6-2 and two outright as an underdog of at least four points under Vrabel. This comes after their big win last week against the Ravens. But Indianapolis is 4-1 and one outright and against the spread against Tennessee since Frank Reich and Mike Vrabel became coaches in 2018. So, <clears throat> good-looking stats for both teams on the spread. Um, doesn't really tell one side more than the other. No, and I think it looks like it's pretty evenly matched yes. statistics-wise. But just off of recent performance and um, what we've seen from the teams, I think I'm leaning Titans on this one. I could not agree more. I think this is a pretty even game. But just off the play of the recent yeah. games, I think – Tennessee is looking a lot better, and they're looking like the team last year. I think either team's given four. I'm probably picking the other team on it. I think it's, like you said, super evenly matched. Um, Don't see it being more than a three-point game one way or the other. I agree. That's a lean from Mace, and I'll go ahead and agree with that lean for Tennessee, plus three on the road versus the Colts. All right, next up we have the Carolina Panthers visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings giving up three and a half points at home over under 51. Panthers coming off just a complete thrashing of the Lions. Horrible. Yeah, P.J. Walker, he looked like an all-pro. We might need to get him in that Pro Bowl vote. Um, Not to say Bridgewater, he's coming back this week, and I think he's got that job pretty securely. Uh, P.J. Walker did his his best Teddy Bridgewater impression last week. I mean, coming off, you know, filling in for somebody injured. That was Bridgewater's specialty last year in New Orleans, and P.J. Walker did it admirably. But um, Bridgewater's back, and Vikings coming off a bad, bad loss against the Cowboys. Um, what do you make of that? That was our best bet last week. I know. We both rode with that one, and we mm-hmm. both lost money. That um, was disappointing all the way was, around. Uh, Vikings have been a tough team to figure out. They've You've still gone pretty high in your rankings, I've noticed. But um, I'm, I'm a little more bullish on the uh, Vikings. I think they can win on any given day, but they can also have some duds like they did last week. So, um, yeah, Mike is leaning towards. I have a lean on Carolina this week. I did ride with Minnesota last week, and that is not the reasoning behind me switching up on them. Uh, Three and a half just seems a little too much. I have these teams as practically dead even. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're just dead even. I don't don't give an advantage necessarily to either side. They both have really good coaching this I mean mm-hmm. Carolina's was more surprising coaching I've we've known Mike Zimmer to be a great amazing coach throughout his basically history but more so over the last five years especially through Minnesota he's just been a great coach the defenses are relatively similar you're surprised on Matt Rule I wouldn't say surprised but not as much as Mike Zimmer That's fair. Yeah. comparable to Mike Zimmer I He's someone that has a long history, coaching with Belichick. He's got a long history. Matt Rule's only turned around like three college programs. Baylor Bears being the last ones. Oh, that's where this comes from. Uh, You know I'm riding with my dog, Matt Rule. 
got the face visor, got the smock. What's not to love about Matt Rule? <laughs> oh, he's definitely done the job in Carolina. He looks good. That defense. Year. I mean, he did this without McCaffrey, your your mm-hmm. your best player across the board. He could play corner, receiver, safety. I'd put him at anything. Put him at kicker for all I care. Uh, yeah. He'll get the job done. Yeah, he will. I mean, that kid's a stud. But needless to say, uh, my lean, no best bets, lean with Carolina. It seems like another game where it's very even teams against each other. And I can see the home field advantage, the travel for Carolina this week's not great. But uh, three and a half is just too much. This Carolina team is playing great. And now they're getting their starter back. And not only are they getting him back, but they're getting him back off a win. And uh, if that's not enough, Mason's got some really intriguing stats on Teddy. We got some juicy ones on Big Ted. Teddy is 33-12 and 12 against the spread in his career, including playoffs. And he has only failed to cover back-to-back games twice in his career. And we're going back to Week 10 on that one, since that's his last game he played. He did not mm-hmm. play Week 11. That's one thing looking good for Teddy. Another, Teddy is 21-5 and five against the spread as an underdog. Now, that's pretty good, but did you think it was the best cover percentage as an underdog in Super Bowl era good? No, I did not. No, I didn't either. I was surprised when I read it. Wow. That's that's really good. This kid, it's amazing he hasn't been a starter. I mean, well, I guess he would have been if barring any of those major injuries he's had. But no. this kid, I mean, he's got some amazing stats. He does. And he's, he's got some heart. The stats back him up, and the stats, unfortunately, do not back Minnesota up. Minnesota is 1-3 against the spread as a home favorite this season hmm. after going 26-11-1 as a home favorite in Mike Zimmer's first six seasons. Yeah. I so, mean, Zimmer's still a good coach. We're not taking that away from him at all. But, you know, this isn't the same Minnesota team we've seen no, in the past is, couple of years. They're missing a lot of players from their defense. Now, they have played well together. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. It's a lot of young and a lot of new people. So, the talent is there. How well are they playing together? It's gotten better over the last five weeks, or so we thought till last week. But, you know, more than anything, they're missing consistency. Yes. They, they can play really good. and Or really bad. Really bad. They're a young team, and they're still figuring out the consistency, coming out every Sunday, playing good. I think what a, a young defense to, needs to be cons- consistent every week is an offense that is already consistent and that's needless to say not minnesota that's not kirk cousins game no no he likes to show up whenever he feels like it kirk cousins hates primetime games Mm -hmm. luckily this isn't a primetime game for him he does really well everybody by now should know the stats on kirk cousins at noon games when he has time to prepare and he's been ready for it very good against the spread stats especially at home which this game is it is at home but like i said both these teams are relatively even. If I even had to say one was better, I'd go with Carolina on a neutral field. So getting three and a half on the road seems like a little too much for Teddy's first game back. Agreed. All right, next up we have the Arizona Cardinals visiting the New England Patriots. Patriots getting two points at home over under 49 and a half. We also have a best bet this week on this game. Mace has locked up the Arizona Cardinals at minus two on the road. Best bet minus two. Yeah, give me that all day. You're going to Gillette Stadium, sure, um, but this isn't the same Patriots team that has played at Gillette Stadium with the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady era. <gasps> it's not? Um, yeah, breaking news. Brady is not there anymore. Um, yeah, Arizona, they're a better version of what Houston did to New England last week. Um, Deshaun just tore up that defense, and Texans had an abysmal year. I'm wearing my Deshaun Watson 
dancing on Bill O'Brien's grave right now. Oh my God, you are. That is Billy O'Brien. Sorry, folks, that you couldn't see this, but it's a graveyard, and it's got Bill O'Brien's picture on the grave and Deshaun Watson posting with a peace sign right next to it. This is the game day shirt as a Houston Texans <laughs> fan, and you know it's two and one so far. That's better than the Texans can say. But you know, back to this game, um, Cardinals. Like I said, just a better version. They picked up. DeAndre Hopkins, you got Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds in the backfield. Murray, just a, just a scrambling quarterback that can also throw dimes. Um, I don't see the Patriots defense being able to stop that. And Cardinals D, they might give up a couple points to the Patriots, but that's a pretty one-dimensional offense with mm-hmm. Cam Newton. Um, but I will say this Cardinals defense has not played super no, well. they haven't played great. Buda Baker's played all pro level good. Yeah, he um, has. He's he the has. Strong they're side. missing Jordan Hicks for sure on the defense. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, just not a ton going for the Patriots on me on this one. They got a laundry list of injuries. Um, Let least, me say this real quick: uh, Patriots don't need much as long as you got Belichick. That's true, but you know, people are starting to doubt that. There, you know, there's some rumors going around that Brady was the brain trust behind that. Oh, I'm not buying that. But you know, I would get into the Patriots injury report, but. You know, that might be a five-minute segment. Just know pretty much any notable player that you might start in fantasy, they're questionable. So don't know who all is not going to play. Is anyone, anyone worthy outside of maybe Harris, who's questionable? Uh, I think you could look at Bird. He had a real good game. Is he playing the this week? Bird's playing. Is uh, it Keneal Harry that's questionable? Keneal Harry's questionable. He was limited at practice. Um, as you probably know, Rex Burkhead is out for the year. Mm-hmm. So if anything, James that White. bumps up Harris and James White's value. But yeah, back to betting on it. I mean, I just I would be very hard pressed to look at the Patriots this week. I will say Belichick has a way of really coaching well against teams that are. I'm not gonna say Arizona is one dimensional, but they have a mobile quarterback who I know you say throw dimes. He's done it in college. And he's done some of it in the NFL, but I wouldn't put him into Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't put him in that boat just yet with accuracy. He's still got some things to prove. He's a very short quarterback, which we know, but hasn't stopped him yet necessarily. But if anyone's going to stop you, it's Belichick. Now, here's the thing where it gets a little tricky for me is that that defense is the worst defense in the league. The Cardinals? No, the uh, New England Patriots. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is easily a team that not much changed, at least from my point of view, not much changed on that defense. They had a lot of opt-outs, I'll say that. They a couple big name, I guess. Big name opt-outs, and, you know, they got Gilmore back last week. I thought that would be a boost for them. I actually I picked against the Texans as a Texans fan. That's how confident I was in Patriots last week, and now I'm done doing that. Um, you got J.C. Jackson, Gilmore locking up corners, but... I mean, you're gonna tell me one of them's gonna lock up Hopkins? Hey, I mean, <laughs> you got the young guy JC. I I won't say they'll lock him up, but it's gonna be a competitive game between him and those defensive backs. Like you said, though, they don't have nobody on no. that D line that's gonna get to Kyler Murray. No. So even with the good cornerback play, how long can they cover one of those receivers in the open field? Yeah. I mean, Not very long. You're going to have to blitz a decent amount to get to Murray, and that leaves you a lot of your corners and D-backs one-on-one with a very menacing group of receivers. Now, Fitzgerald is out this week. He's unfortunately on the COVID list. We hope he gets well soon. But, I mean, you still got Christian Kirk, Hopkins, Johnson. Edmonds coming out of the backfield, Johnson. You got Andy Isabella, Dan Arnold. I mean, the list goes on about feasible pass catchers for the Cardinals. 
Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've harped on it. There's some stats for the Patriots. Um, as a home underdog, the Patriots are 10-1 and against the spread and 9-2 and outright I'm in sure the past every, last 11 games. I'm sure every one of those games, too, was a Brady game. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And this is just the second time in the past six seasons New England has been a home underdog. Last time, you might ask, was actually not in the Brady era. I don't think they ever were a home underdog in the Brady era. They were eleven, or they were seven point. Pardon me, seven point underdogs in Week Ten against Baltimore, which they did upset Baltimore outright. But that was a pretty messy game. Um, weather's looking a little better for this one, so I'm I'm rolling with Cardinals on this one. I'm locking up best bet for Cardinals. You heard it, best bet on Arizona from Mace at minus two. I I couldn't really agree more. Uh, I don't have it as a best bet, but now that I look at this, it's, you know, Belichick just really scares me, and Belichick at home scares me. And that's, you can see that reflection in the line. This game shouldn't be two points if you took it on a neutral field. I mean, Arizona is clearly a better team. They should easily win this game. Now, playing Belichick at home, that's where it gets tough. But a line still only being two, I'd have to ride with Arizona too. Yeah, and my last one, this one's a little obscure, but Arizona is 5-2. and two against the spread in games starting at 1 p.m. Eastern in the Kingsbury-Kyler Murray era. Okay. So, you know, this that's, game is at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's a little, it, you know, cherry-picking. It's a small sample size. It's a small but, sample size, but 5-2 and two is not bad odds. You know, I'm... It's not. We'll take what we can get. Well, you know, I spent a lot of time finding that information, and <laughs> I'm going to say it in the podcast. 5-2 and two against the spread, game starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. All right, you heard it. Arizona, best bet for Mace. Next up, we have the most exciting game of the week. Miami Dolphins, the powerhouse they are, visiting the New York Jets. Jets plus seven at home, over under 44 and a half. Yeah, this is my snooze game of the week. Dolphins getting a seven-point line uh, isn't really indicative of how good the Dolphins are. It's more indicative of how bad the Jets are. Mm-hmm. Um, I rode with Dolphins last week. I thought they take it to Denver and... Man, Tua proved me wrong. I, uh, yeah. I said last week he proved the doubters wrong. And he uh, he found his spot on the bench for Fitzmagic. <laughs> Unfortunately, Fitzmagic wasn't able to pull that game out. But, um, yeah, this the Dolphins' offense has just looked very lackluster with Tua at QB. Um, like you said last week, I blindly li- didn't listen to it. But a lot of those points for the Dolphins in the first couple starts for Tua came from that defense. Great field positioning. They do. He had two drives where he scored. And my, it's probably more, but I know when I first looked at the stat over two games, he had two of the touchdowns he had. He had, I think, a five-yard drive and a 30-yard drive. Yeah. For touchdowns. And they're hurt at running back. Um, Gaskin's still out. They released Howard. That's not even noteworthy, but he's gone. And uh, Ahmed is out this week. Pardon that pronunciation. I'm just doing the best mm-hmm. I can. Hey. Hey, but he's out, Valiant so... Effort. Yeah, um, you might be looking at Patrick in the Patrick Laird in the backfield this weekend. That's yeah. I mean, scary sight. This game, man. I just nothing really pops out. Jets, scary team. Uh, not playing against a great team, but playing against someone like the Dolphins, even even as bad as the Jets are, I don't like giving up seven points at home to them. Especially when you said Miami's offense. Ever since Stinks. the hype about Miami has gotten higher, the yeah. offense has literally gotten worse for four or five straight weeks. It I has was, not played well. I was a victim of that hype train, and that train is back in the station now. Yeah, that defense can only play so good for so long. 
I do have a little bit of a small lean looking at this game under that 44.5. If you can keep it above 44, I would look at that under. Both defenses are, Jets are relatively good, at least an average, I'd say. Uh, they've, you know, they've had to be on the field a lot, but probably not this game considering as bad as the off Dolphins defense is. I mean offense, sorry. So <laughs> getting my words mixed up, but I think it'll be a slow game, not a lot of scoring. So if you can keep it under forty four or above forty four, I would take the under on that. Yeah, I got a bold prediction that if you want that game to hit the over, one of these defenses is gonna have to score. Defensive yes. special teams. Um I don't think either offense solely is gonna get you to that mark. Even with the defenses scoring, I think that might just be your only scoring. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very bad output, I I think, mark my words. We might be looking offense. at a good old-fashioned powerhouse running game this week because I don't see either of those offenses moving it down the field. I would also take a look at the first half under. I'm sure if they have it at 44.5, it's probably at 21.5. Uh, if you can get it at that, even probably 17.5, I might even snag that as a first half under. Ne neither one of these offenses are going to score more than a touchdown in the first half, so... But that's about it on that trash game. Yeah, it's snooze game of the week for me. Yeah, I'd say bye to that one. Throw it in the garbage. All right, next up we have the Cleveland Browns visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars getting seven points at home over under 49 and a half. Let me start off this segment by just a, an astounding stat. We can dive into the personnel later, but if the Browns close favored by at least seven points, it'll be the largest road favorite spread for them since week three of 1995. Me and Mike weren't even alive then. No, we were not. No, we weren't even an afterthought. Yeah, you know who was the coach in 1995 for the Browns? Belichick. Bill Belichick. <laughs> they covered as an eight-point favorite against the Houston Oilers. They're God. not even a franchise anymore. They no, haven't been a franchise since we were alive. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, everything... I like the Browns this year, to be honest, but everything in this is pointing to Jacksonville. They're getting seven points at home now. They did make another quarterback change, right? Mike Minshew. Glennon. Oh, Glennon? Glennon's in. Wow. So that's another brand-new quarterback that Cleveland's going to have to face. Granted, Jacksonville's got some injuries with Chris Conley and Chark both being out, and I believe their starting right guard is out. So, you know, injury-ridden team, already not a good team. But you're getting seven at home. I have this game closer to four and a half, five. Not willing to put a lean on Jacksonville or a best bet. It is just, they scare me too much. They're, too much could go wrong. Same with Cleveland. I don't feel comfortable on either side of this. Yeah, with Cleveland, you got Denzel Ward out. They're number one cover guy. Um, don't know who he'd be covering with all those injuries on the Jacksonville receiving core. Um, but, yeah, this this is a bad game. Um, there's another snooze. We got back-to-back -back ones. Yeah, there's Just, nothing. Yeah, Baker Mayfield hopefully does something, but I'm looking at Chubb and Hunt to just pound the ball this week. Um, that Jacksonville defense isn't great by any means, and the Cleveland Browns running game is the best aspect of what they do, far and away. So, yeah, I mean, seven's a hefty line, and I just I don't see that hitting. A um, couple quick stats over here. Baker Mayfield is 1-5 against the spread in his career as a road favorite, 2-4 and four straight up, and he is 7-11-1 against the spread in his career as a favorite overall. Mm, that doesn't bode good. well. And Cleveland is 1-5 against the spread in its past six games in the month of November or later. 
Yeah, you know, if we had Luton or Minshew in this game, I'd feel more comfortable taking that seven, but I just can't do it with Mike. Nothing against that guy. I have his downgrade into my ratings, but it's just it's hard to trust a guy like that coming in on a season that's just a giveaway. Like you said, I, I see a lot of focus on the run game from both teams. Uh, you know, a little gambling aspect, if you want to take a look at any player props, I would take a look at Chubb on the over on yards this game. He's done great since he came back. He just seems to not only run the ball hard, but he finds a way to pop off at least one 20-plus yard run every game. Yep, Chubb, and on the other side of the ball, Robinson. Um, uh, they don't have many receivers at all anymore with Conley and Shark out. Robinson's been a very viable pass catcher in the backfield, and with the new QB back there, Mike Glennon, the former Hard Knocks star with the Oakland Raiders, yep. formerly Oakland Raiders, um, He's not going to be chunking that ball downfield. A lot of checkdowns. A lot of checkdowns. So Robinson looks pretty juicy. And Chubb, um, yeah, this is going to be looking like a slow run game for both sides. Yeah, that's about it on that one. All right, next up we have the New Orleans Saints. Who that? Visiting the Denver Broncos, plus six at home, over under 43.5. We have two best bets once again. We have a split decision on this one. Mace is riding with the Saints, giving up the six on the road. I'm taking the Denver Broncos at home, getting six. Yeah, I'm riding with Houdat Nation on this one. I had one trip to New Orleans, and, you know, my life hasn't been the same since. So I'm going Houdat. Um, they're going to Mile High City. That air might be troublesome, but just Broncos, they had a good game last week, sure. They, uh, upside, who was that, Dolphins? Yep. Yeah. Um, but... Taysom Hill, he uh, I thought it would be pretty run heavy, and he uh, he slang that a little bit. He threw the ball around, got Mike Thomas his best fantasy game of the year, uh, found some receivers, so he's he's looking like a viable QB start. Um, lost his tight end eligibility in ESPN, that's unfortunate, but you know he's a he might be a legitimate QB. New Orleans has a knack for Sean Payton personally has a knack for finding good, viable backup QBs. He had Teddy last year. Mm -hmm. Still got Jameis in the wings, and he's rolling with Taysom Hill so far. And They're stacked out back there. They man. are. New Orleans is 6-0 and against the spread and straight up without Breeze. So that's Bridgewater from last year and Hill so far this year. Um, I'm seeing that trend go 7-0 this week. Mike disagrees, but, you know, they haven't shown me any reason to not roll with them so far. 6 is a pretty it's a nice line, um, especially on the road. But I think far and away, Saints are the better team in this one. Yeah, uh, I think Saints are easily the better team for surely. They sh will easily win this game, <clears throat> in my opinion. But I don't see Taysom Hill having a great game. Last week, you know, some people said he looked good. Some people said he looked bad. Uh, he was in between for me. He had a couple passes that looked really good to me. That I mean, he was just threading the needle. It, it looked nice. Not enough to just show me that I can count on him to be a consistent, good quarterback in that pocket or even rolling out. He had to make a couple plays happen. Uh, and with that, you know, having to go to Mile High Stadium against the top 10 defense, I know Broncos got a, a good amount of injuries on their defense, but they're still playing well. They're top 10, they put pressure on the quarterback, and their corners are well-coached and disciplined guys, which is exactly what you want going against the Saints with a backup quarterback starting. Also, uh, I pointed this out earlier, you know, playing a mile-high stadium, obviously it gets to, especially the bigger guys, having to breathe a lot in different type of air. Uh, 
Denver practice and plays there every day, you know, so. They do practice in Denver? <laughs> I think so. I believe they do. So they'll, uh, they they have a good, uh, they cope with it well. They've been around They're it used enough. To it. They're used to it. There you go. Saints, on the other hand, aren't going to be nearly as used to it. You're going in there with a less less powered offense. I'd like to say having Taysom Hill as the starter now. You're going to be running the ball a lot, which is going to wear down your O-line. And your defense, that's a top five defense for surely. But going into Denver, trying to keep up with them, a Denver team that you know doesn't just chunk the ball downfield a lot. They're more of a run team, short passes, get Drew Locke into his motive and his into motion and uh, let him go from there. I just... I don't see how it could be six in Denver with the backup quarterback. I see the line with Breeze at plus seven for Denver, and I see it as plus four without him. I don't see a plus six, and that's going to be the main reason why I'm going to jump on Denver at home. Yeah, all, all respectable, good points. Um, one big tidbit for me that really solidified my Saints pick here is quarterbacks within the first two starts of their career are 29-10 against the spread since the start of last season. So there's been 39 starts by first two-time starter QBs since last mm-hmm. season. There's not that many rookies. There's no. a lot of backups going in there oh, and yeah. some bad ones. And for 29 and 10, that's that's a good sample size on that. Oh, and that is. I don't think many of those guys had the weapons that Taysom Hill has around them. Maybe the most surprising part, this is completely unrelated to this game, but last week with Alvin Kamara was the first time in his career he has not had to catch in a game. I thought for surely that Taysom Hill would be looking Kamara's way all mm-hmm. day, checkdowns out of the backfield. But, you know, he's not looking for those so, easy outs, checkdowns. He wants to show he's a QB. And, is that a good sign or a bad sign? Does it mean that he wasn't looking for it or that the Atlanta Falcons did a great job at shutting down all the dump-off passes and made him have to execute downfield? If I had to guess, I would think, like I thought, like probably a lot of people thought, is that Taysom Hill would key in on Kamara and try to shut that down because that seems like the logical choice for a first-time starter is, you know, get him some easy dump-off passes. Mm-hmm. And Safety I didn't watch net. a ton of that game, but Atlanta apparently shut it down pretty well, and New Orleans still got the win pretty easily. So, so I'd so, like, sorry to interject, but Denver clearly a better defense than Atlanta. So if Atlanta was figuring it out, you know, that's the first time Taysom Hill started. It looked like a figure-out game from yeah. the most part. Their offense could not score. So... Can Denver's offense score on them? More than likely not. This is probably the worst offense in the league, if not one of the worst. So not much hope there, but the hope comes from being at home in Mile High Stadium, the advantages that you do have, going against a tired defense, and also might be a letdown spot. You know, Saints are looking past the Broncos right now. They're trying to make sure they clinch the division and do what they need to do to keep first place and get a first round bye. I don't think they're really too worried about the Broncos. And I think they should be having that backup quarterback in and playing this first game in Mile High Stadium. And that's why I think plus six is just a little too much to give Denver at home this year. Yeah, Mike's a big stats guy, so I got some stats for him here that might help him out. Denver is 13-8 and against the spread under Vic Vangio and 6-3 and against the spread as home underdogs. Yeah, that's... That's, That's a nice a sh- little nug of information. Almost ten games worth of sample size. That six is and three. Almost, but you know, I'm looking like six and four this week. <laughs> I think the Broncos are not going to cover, and I'm going pretty heavily on the Saints here. They're my best bet of the week. Mike's riding with Broncos at plus six as his best bet of the week. Anything else you want to say on this one? I think that's about it, man. You yeah. heard the information. We got some good ones on both sides. 
Um, yeah, make a bet on it. Let us know what you thought. All right, next up, we have the 49ers visiting the Los Angeles Rams. Should, do you even say visiting? I, I think you'd say visiting. Okay, yeah. I guess we could. The California 49ers are visiting the California Rams. Rams getting six and a half at home, and the over-under is 44 and a half. Yeah, um, Rams had a, I'd say, surprising game last week when they took out Tampa Bay. Um, I don't, I for one was not riding with the Rams in that game. I thought with those weapons and Brown coming back in in the rotation, I thought for sure the Bucks would pull that one out. But you know that didn't happen. Rams kind of silenced some people. It looked good. Um, that defense got some pressure. They disrupted yes. the backfield. And 49ers, um, they might be able to get some pressure on Goff, but um, 49ers just aren't a great team this year. They got a lot of injuries given. Still got Jimmy G out, got Mostert out, um, Kittle still out, probably leading pass catcher. Um, yeah, I, I for sure like Rams this game. The seven line's a little high for me, but um, yeah, straight up I'm taking Rams all day on this. Yeah, uh, Rams are, you know, I've been high on the Rams since earlier this year. I've noted how well the defense plays, and obviously, if you even just look at the stats, this is clearly the best running team in the NFL, and I say that with baby... You think Kim Akers gets involved this week? There's a possibility. They're working him into it. You know, they took him second round, right? Uh -huh. You know, they, they took him for a reason. They want to use him and rely on him. And he's slowly seen a little bit more later in the year. I know he missed a few games early on with injury. But he's starting to get back into that lineup of running backs they got. But they've done most of this with baby uh, baby Marshawn baby, Lynch over there. Yeah, baby Gurley, baby Marshawn Lynch. Whatever you want. Call. Call. <laughs> Harold Henderson Jr. is getting the job done. And Malcolm Brown's... Malcolm? Malcolm. Sorry, I can't oh, talk. Man. Got tongue-tied. Malcolm Brown is sprinkling a little in on there. He's doing his thing. And that's my thing. If you can do that with that that running back group, not to take anything away from those guys. They're, they're studs. You know, Sounds they're like in the you NFL. a little bit away from them. I might have. They might, I wouldn't say it to their face. I promise that. Uh, they got about eight inches on mine. <laughs> but uh, these guys, man, they've done well. And I, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt for that, for surely. But I know a lot of it comes from the coaching, mm -hmm. the schemes, and that offensive line. They know how to block. They know how to move. They know how to create holes. And this is clearly just one of the best running teams. I know they have a little history with the California 49ers, but they're just, like you said, injury-ridden. Too many players are beat up. And I know they're going to want to keep it close, but really, at this point, what are they fighting for? Nick Mullins is going to have a hard day, man. Aaron Donald is coming to kill. And if he thinks he's just going to throw up a couple passes here and there, there's a hawk back there waiting for you. And you talking he, about Jalen? Oh, I'm talking about Jalen. Okay. That man is ready to go snag some. He's playing great this year. I'm not not amazing with interceptions, but you know this from your top corners. They, the ball doesn't get thrown uh, to them. That's the whole point. When you look at position groups in this game, there's just not a single position group I'm taking 49ers with the advantage at. No. Um, preseason, you, you might have been able to say D-line. That's still a hard-pressed one, but Bosa yeah. out. Um, Kinlaw hasn't. Played great after Buckner that pick gone. they used on him for the Buckner trade. Yep. Um, I just I don't see any aspect of the game where 49ers are going to have an advantage. So, yeah, pretty – Mike's got best bet on the Rams. I'm going to lean pretty heavily on No, them. no, no best bet. Just you got no lean. best bet? No, okay, no, we no. got a lean. Pardon just, me. Yes, the lean. No best bet. I was looking at it. It's very uh, 
it's enticing, but I just don't know if the Rams can cover that full amount. But I'm going to put a lean on it because I do think they will. I don't think there's much upside going on with the 49ers right now. And Rams are playing great, great football. Getting to play at home against a team you don't really like, both from the same state. I think they're going to go ahead and run away with this one. Defense leading it. That's Should a nice be. new stadium. It is, isn't they it? They're nice. So something to play for. But uh, I would take this game at 6.5 as a lean. No best bets here, though. Yeah, and some stats for uh, to solidify our strong lean. Los Angeles is 14-7-1 and one against the spread as a favorite of at least six points under Sean McVay. Mm. San Francisco is coming off a bye while Los Angeles is coming off a Monday night game. This one was surprising to me. Since 2017, teams coming off a bye are 2-9 and nine against the spread against teams coming off a Monday game. That was pretty interesting. I thought the teams with some more rest, you know, would fare a little better. But that stat says otherwise. Can you repeat that one more I can. time? Since 2017, teams coming off of a bye are 2-9 and nine against the spread against teams coming off of a Monday game. So in this case, you're saying the fresher team. Mm-hmm. Play, fresher as in not less not tired. Playing but less recently. Playing, yes, less recently. Versus the more recent team. They are not. They're not. The numbers say they are not faring that wow. well. I, that's crazy, man. That's crazy, and once again, does not bode well for the 49ers in this game. Yeah, I really do like that 6.5 now, hearing that stat especially. But uh, you heard it, man. We got a lean on Rams at 6.5. Nothing crazy outside of that amazing stat brought to you by Mace. All right, next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes visiting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. They're getting three and a half points over under 55 and a half. I have a best bet this week on the Tampa Bay Bucks at home getting three and a half. This to me seems like NFL's premier game of the season. Once they found out Brady was going to the Bucks, their old poster boy going against Pat Mahomes. The new poster the boy. New poster boy. Um, yeah, this could be a change of the guard game, if you will. Um, Brady, this is kind of make or break time for him and the Bucks on this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say they've lived up to expectations. It would be hard to with all that hype coming in, but this is a really good opportunity to, you know, solidify themselves as a playoff potentially Super Bowl contender. Um, Chiefs are the best of the best. They've proven that again this year. And this is a real interesting game. Yeah, I it's really just mind boggling to me that the Bucks are getting the Buccaneers are getting three and a half points at home. I get it. They didn't play well last week. They didn't look great. Um, and the Chiefs, you know, to be honest, they didn't look great either last week. And I think this is a huge, huge overreaction from the public on this. I think they've seen the last second touchdown throw by Mahomes. They've seen the Bucks get blown out by the Saints not too long ago. And I think this is just a huge reaction off of both of those things to where the Chiefs are now favored by this much while visiting the Tampa Bay Bucks. It just doesn't make sense to me. I know they had a bad game, and the offense was not looking too well, and people had some questions, but this is Tom Brady, and I know he's getting old, and you can't put everything on his shoulders, but there's enough talent on that team, way more than enough talent for him to get it done. I don't see him. Like you said, this is – everybody knew going into the year what Kansas City was going to do. They Super Bowl favorites, everybody knew it. Now, Brady going to the Bucks. most people – knew he was going to do good or they wanted to say he was going to do good as well. Mm -hmm. 
But now that he hasn't played as well or to their expectations, they've gone way down on people's radar and the Chiefs are still up. And it, it just doesn't make sense to me, you know, after one bad game, maybe two iffy yeah. games, that you bring them down this much to where they're getting this many points at home with Brady and that. First off, forget the offense that's got all the talent. I mean, this defense puts it up week after week. Defense is Amazing good. stats. And they think Mahomes, I mean, he just played a super tough division game where he almost lost two games this year against the Raiders, which will probably be their first time doing that in God knows Before how many we years. were born. Yeah. So, I mean, that alone should tell you that that was a rough one. Are they happy? Is there momentum behind the wind? I'm sure there is. But are they exhausted, worn out, and now have to fly cross country? Because the last game was in Kansas City, right? It was. So not cross country, but flying all the way down to south and into Tampa Bay playing in the Bucks at their home stadium. They're giving up a field goal and a half. Mm. I like the Bucks here, man. This is this is a big reason for my uh, best bet. Yeah, I got a couple tidbits on... It's a little lengthy, but it's Brady. We're going to talk about him some. Tom Brady is 10-1 and against the spread and 9-2 and outright as a home underdog in his career. So he's been a home underdog 11 times in his career. That's pretty interesting. The man's played. That is interesting. Twenty twenty two seasons. He's been in the league a while, and he has been a home underdog four times in the past fifteen seasons, all since twenty thirteen, and has won all four games outright, with the last three wins being by at least twenty points. Now, I, I let's not get crazy here. I don't think this is going to be a twenty point win for the Bucks, at all. I uh, I might quit the show if that happens, <laughs> but um. That's pretty decent sample size, you know, given the man's played 20 seasons in the league. It is. Been a home underdog 11 times. And it shows that when pressure comes, he doesn't usually fold to it. And I think people understand that about Mahomes, but I think they forgot that about Brady. Brady's got a little bit of that MJ mentality, man. He 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 likes proving people wrong, and he lives for that. So this is a... This is a Brady game. This is a gimme in my... I mean, this is my clear-cut best bet. I just don't understand it at all. I have this line as Bucks minus one, and instead I'm getting it at plus three and a half, a four and a half point swing. I'll take this I'll take this in my sleep, and to be honest, I might bet the house on it. This is just ridiculous to me, and I'm not a Bucks, huge Bucks fan, and I'm a big Mahomes guy. I like him. I don't understand how they're giving up three and a half points on the road in Tampa Bay. This defense is way too good, and that offense is too much talent and too much to prove this week to lose by three and a half, more than three and a half. I like it. We're pretty solid over here on the Bucks this week. Let's go get them, Brady. Next up, we have the Bears visiting the Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads minus eight and a half at home, over under 44 and a half. We have a best bet from me on this game. We have the Bears getting eight and a half points on the road. You ran with the Dub Bears? I did. I did. Okay. Yeah, I like it, man. You got Trubinsky back there again. Oh, he's my but favorite quarterback in history. He's <laughs> best quarterback from that draft class for sure. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. He's he's pretty much booked his place in Canton. Oh. And uh sure. this game pretty much only solidifies it for Mike. He's running with the Bears at Lambeau this week. Um I mean more power to him. I'm not I'm not riding with him on that one, but I like it. Eight and a half's a it's a big line. And the Bears aren't a terrible team. That defense still who they are. Um, offense has a little bit of unknown right now with Trubinsky back there. We got a couple games of them this year, but 
personally, I think they pulled the cord too early on Trubinsky to put Foles in there. And, you know, that experiment didn't work out well for them. And this could be a blessing in disguise for that team. Well, you know, I want to say the management and coaching behind Chicago is not good. No. You paid Foles all that money. He, he should have just been starting from the get-go, to be yeah. honest. And, you know, you gave up on Jam- famous Jameis. You gave up on Cam Newton. And you gave up on Teddy Bridgewater. You know, there was three other quarterbacks mm-hmm. you could have easily got. By them getting Foles and paying him that money, it just made no sense to me. And that's why their offense is still so crazy. But They paid Foles. They got a four-year 80-mil deal with him, huh? Yeah. That's, they could have. That's good backup. They could have got Jameis Winston. Yep. They could have got Cam Newton. Not saying these guys are way better, but for a lot cheaper. For a lot cheaper, they paid Cam what a mill. I can't mill with. It was incentive laden. Yeah. But you got a mill base, man. That's not a huge hit on the cap. Nope. That's and especially when you had Trubisky and now you're playing him again, so you don't have faith in. Fo- well, Foles is hurt this week. Foles is hurt, but but. You know, it's just it's a whole lot of questions on that it's offense. It's a mess in Chicago, but Mike likes the mess, man. I like him, though, and here's why. You're playing a division rival, and yes, you're playing in Green Bay, and yes, they have an unfair home advantage with their turf and the amount of injuries that somehow just happen in fucking Green Bay, those cheating bastards. I'm just playing. I like Green Bay. I like Rodgers. <clears throat> but I don't like his brother. Uh, <laughs> Mike Big Bachelor Watcher over here. Yeah, man, I can't stand him. He just doesn't treat women right. No, uh, we do not approve of disrespecting no, women on this. show. We don't condone it at no. all. He should be in jail. No, I'm just joking. Um, no, man, it's just eight and a half is crazy to me. I have Trubisky coming in as a point, maybe a point and a half downgrade from Foles. But let's be honest, Foles has not played great football this year. And to be honest, I. I'd take Trubisky. I, I I wouldn't care at this point. I'd take the younger guy. But I see why they're giving Foles the opportunities with as much money as they paid him. But he's clearly not the guy that they thought they were paying for. So, with that being said, that's nothing but negative stuff for Chicago. But like I said, there's only about a point and a half upgrade. I mean, downgrade to Mitchell Trubisky. And with that, I have this line at six and a half. So, getting eight and a half points, that seems huge to me. Packers haven't played Trubisky, I don't believe, at all this year, right? When they no. played uh, Chicago earlier on, they played him with Foles. Yep. So they haven't got to see Mitchell this year, which is just the element, the factor of surprise. You know, they, they don't know how he's necessarily going to play. You can watch game tape on him, but if it's not from recent, you don't know how he's going to how he's gonna play and how he's going to work with that offense and that scheme now. And like May said, this is a top five, top seven defense easily. And we've seen how Rodgers has done against some good defenses this year. I mean, he choked against the, the division rival Minnesota. He did. You know, and I know people, I know I talk highly about them, but not very many other people do, you know. But stat-wise, they've been playing great last five, six games outside of, you know, last week that upset, you know, against the Cowboys. But I just don't see how the Bears can be getting eight and a half points against a division rival. And another key thing that all you uh, sports bettors and guys that really pay attention to numbers. And girls. We're inclusive on this show. You're right. We love our women. We do. Uh, The over and under is 44 and a half. So when you have a low over and under, a key thing to look at is that that spread. And it being eight and a half with such a low over and under, what they're saying in my eyes is this is a blowout game for Green Bay. But I don't see it like that at all. I see this as a close, grimy division game. Not just your eyes either. You're a fifth-generation gambler, correct? Yes, sir. So that's four generations before you's eyes that have seen that as well. I'm speaking for all of them, you know? Mm-hmm. All of them. I, I don't want them turning in their graves by the things I'm saying. And, and I can guarantee you, the Bears, 
That's not changing their mind. They love it. Oh, Don't yeah. you have some key trends for me? I do. I got a little bit going on here. Aaron Rodgers is 18-5 and five outright and 16-7 and seven against the spread against Chicago in his career. Green Bay is 5-0 against the spread after a loss under Matt LaFleur. The Packers are 1-3 against the spread when favored by 7 or more under LaFleur. And, last but not least, Chicago has lost and failed to cover six straight games after its bye week. Wow, a lot of convincing stats to take Green Bay right there. Makes me look a little foolish, I'm sure, to the audience. But like I said, all that is based off the against the spread stats. But if we're looking at my spread in the NFL, in the the real spread that's out there through the, what, what book did we go through? The Westgate, I believe. I believe we were Westgate. We went through Westgate, best, best sports book you could probably go through. And they have it at six and a half. And like I said, I, this is clearly, I'm sorry, they have it at eight and, eight and, a, half, and a half. But for me, this is clearly about a six point to six and a half point line. And with that, I'm making that my best bet. I see the defense slowing down Rodgers, containing him for the most part. I know you can't do that much with a great like Aaron Rodgers. But I don't see that offense going crazy on a Chicago defense that has played well all year. They have not varied in how they play their defense. It has just stood out all year to me. Now having a little boost in your offense, getting rid of Foles, who, you know, I'm not saying that they didn't want him in there, but he hasn't been playing well. And the team notices, you know, they want to win that division. And I think they still have a a decent chance to at least get close. And, you know, this is the game to really decide it, to be honest. They need a win here. And uh, I think Mitchell knows that. And I think he knows if he goes out and gets a win that this might mean his starting job back for him. So I think there's a lot that persuades me to take that eight and a half, and I, the public is just really, really looking at Green Bay hard this game. So that's that's me, and that's why I'm taking Chicago as my best bet this week. I really like how you keep referring to Mitch as Mitchell. It's very formal. Yes, really I respect, respect the respect kid. For him. Yeah. Hey, this is like you said. He'll be in Canton soon enough. He's a father figure to you. <laughs> you love he Mitch, is, man. Mitchell Trubinsky. Oh, it's just something about him. I think it's his name. Yeah, it's nice. Gotta love him, but like I said, the Bears plus eight and a half on the road. Let's get it. All right, degenerates. Last but not least, Seattle Seahawks visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles getting plus five and a half at home over under 50. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a best bet on this one. Mace, last game of the day. This will be our Monday night game, and he's got a best bet on Seattle at minus five and a half. Oh, yeah. I'm... Big Seattle this week. Um, big Seattle, but really just bad Eagles. Um, they're in a very bad NFC East, and I still don't think they're going to win that division. Um, just looking around on the internet, seeing what players and you know personnel and media are saying about Wentz, nobody's high on the guy right now. There's a lot of murmurs around that office that maybe Jalen Hurts is the better option. Um, this seems like a season's... What do you think? Do you think Jalen, is it time to turn to him? I don't know. I don't know if it's time to turn to Jalen, but... I mean, this guy was supposed to be an MVP three or two years ago. Two, three. He was he was up there for betting at the start of this season, too. Um, oh, what a fool you would have been to take in that. Yeah. Let's, uh, sorry, can I take a stat and yeah, just a please. sec? Let's read uh, Carson Wentz's 21... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get to his stats real quick. Go ahead, continue. Well, what Mike is about to show you is how bad Carson Wentz has been. And, uh, yeah, I concur completely. Um, Seattle's been a really good team this year. Um, Russell Wilson 
Definitely looking like an MVP contender. He had he cooled down a little bit, but he's still top three for sure in my mind. Um, you got DK Metcalf balling out on the outside. Tyler Lockett's still there. And all signs point towards Chris Carson coming back this week. Um, oh. Yeah, it's Quattro C season, baby. CC's Pizza serving up <laughs> slices. Um, and the defense is coming along for Seattle. It's not great, but um, the Eagles' offense is also not great. Um, I just... Five and a half is it's a decent line, sure, but Seattle's just a far better team on my rankings. On pretty much anybody who talks about, listens to, or watches football's rankings, um, I see no possible way here where Eagles cover this line, and I'm pretty content on sitting on this one. You know, let's read. I'll read Carson's stats. I finally found him with my old man fingers we and love eyes. The internet. He's 220 passes completed out of 377 on the year, 2,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Sounds like Jameis Winston almost, doesn't he? He might not make it to the 30-30 club, but he's on pace. (laughs) He's going to have to throw a lot more touchdowns to get there. You know, that sounds like a Baker Mayfield stat. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's very very, low. mm -hmm. It's very Baker Mayfield. And, you know, that's not what you want to see on a guy that used to be MVP caliber, you know, and like you said, he was up there this year for betting before the season started. And, you know, the line is a little big, and I can honestly see it. I have it as five. I can see it going down to three and a half or four. But then again, I can't. This Eagles offense is like nothing else we've seen from them. Carson is just, he is unreliable. Doug Peterson doesn't want to change anything about his system. He just has all the faith in the world. And I know it seems like a good thing. It might be coach talk, sure. Yeah, but just too much faith in that quarterback. Why not? You can see it from the guys when they're heading on the sidelines, heading to the sidelines after he throws pick after pick or turns it over or can't make an open pass on third and long. I mean, he, it is just, it's horrible to watch, and you can see it in all their faces, how they just do not want to play for him. And there's no way in my mind, look, I'm not in all these sports teams, and I'm not a media guy, but there's no way there's not talks going around in that locker room right now about why Jalen hasn't gotten a shot yet to start. You still have a chance to win your division, and, and it's not by the grace of Carson Wentz, I can promise you that. It is by... The grace of how NFC horrible East. the NFC East is. By the grace of how bad that division is. And just injuries that plague the Eagles this year. They got another one. Lane Johnson. Oh, tackle out this week. Veteran. Um, yeah, that's a vet guy. Pro bowler. Yeah, I mean, the wide receiver core is bad. Miles Sanders, probably the lone dry spot on that offense. Um, worth noting, we talked about it some last week, that Philadelphia Eagles D-line is still solid, though. It is. Um, that's and, the best part of their team for sure, and they get pressure on the QB without blitzing. But Russ is a guy I trust to make good throws and make good decisions. So he does take a lot of sacks. They've gotten better over the last two games, but he's still seeing lots of pressure. And it is worrisome to see something like that. One thing you can count on, though, he usually won't fumble the ball. You no. know, when he when he can feel that hit coming, he'll tuck it. Yeah. You know, so not a lot of turnovers, which is what helps the Eagles mm-hmm. out off that sack. Is they force a lot of turnovers off of it. That's where they get majority of their turnovers is off the strip sacks and, and fumbles. They're not driving the field on anybody. No, they're not. And you know, Seattle. Say what you want about the defense. I rode against them hard early on, but I've noticed throughout how they've slowly gotten better. Not a top tier defense, no. but Pete Carroll's coached them well, and they're starting to play like a cohesive unit. Yep. And a couple quick hitters on this game. Russell Wilson is 23-12-2 against the spread in his career in primetime games. 28-8-1 straight up. 
Philadelphia is 7-2 straight up and against the spread as a home underdog in primetime games under Doug Peterson. But Philadelphia is 1-7 against the spread in its past eight games coming off a loss. And surprise, surprise, they are coming off of a loss. You know, that's a great stat. And I would say that 7-2 with Doug Peterson, it's that's little, probably the old Eagles. Yeah, it's a little deceiving. Say. It's not the one we've seen this year and no. the end of last year. Yeah, and last but least... Carson Wentz is three and seven against the spread as a starter this season. Um, yeah, that's bad by any metric, and I don't see this week being any different. Uh, this is looking like he's going to three and eight, and I think that pretty confident and safe on that one going with the Seahawks on this. I agree. I think that offense way too high powered. I think the coaching is ten times better in Seattle, and they will, they will make, they will contain. I don't even know if I want to say that they they might shut down that Philly offense completely, and I don't think there's anything you can do to stop Seattle, DK Metcalf. They have nothing on that defense worth, I mean, just any star player that's going to shut them down. Yeah, I mean, Eagles secondary, you got Darius Slay. They big trade for him this offseason, but as good as he is, he can't cover two guys. No, and he hasn't played well this year, which, granted, maybe not off his play, but off the team's play. Yeah, he's done okay, but the Eagles haven't helped him out by any means, and he's not going to be covering Lockett and Metcalf. One of them is going to be getting open. And And let's not forget David Moore. He's a bomb. He's guaranteed three attempts Mm -hmm. and all probably over 40 yards. Yeah, he's got one of the highest air yards per attempt in this league. And uh could be a sneaky, sneaky game for him. Um, so, yeah, we're running. At least I am. Mike seems to be on board with me after these stats. Yeah, we uh, got a best bet from Mace. Yep. It's a strong lean for me on Seattle, minus five and a half. Yep, that's what we're going with over here. Awesome. That's probably going to wrap it up, y'all. Uh, it was a great session. And uh, hopefully we can win y'all some money, actually. You know what? I know we're going to win y'all some money. And we're going to win some money, too. So uh, let's go get it, and we'll see y'all back next week. Yep, if these bets go as planned, we might be in a new recording studio next week. (laughs) I hope so. That's Mace, and I'm your fifth-generation gambler, and we'll see you at Mad Handicapping next week. Have a good one, and win some money. We fucking did it, Degenerates. This is our third episode, our second full one, covering the Week 12 of all our NFL best bets and best handicaps, giving out top stats, top analytics, and top trends. Mace and I went over these week 12 get games and our five best bets each we conflicted in a number of bets but we gave you some great information and uh some great stuff out there y'all should be able to make some real good money off that uh we did well week before first week of going live with this i went three and two mace went one and four it's okay though always room for improvement and uh that's what we're here for you know our number one goal is just to make everybody money our pockets fat y'all's pockets fat you know Anytime we do good, we know y'all are going to do good. So that's just our whole goal over here at Mad Handicapping. And we just appreciate y'all's support and patience with us. And just know that y'all are here while it's at ground zero if you're listening now. You're here when it started. And it's only going to get better from here. Just just stay with us. Stick with us. Trust in us and trust in the process because that's what we do here. We see it, believe it, and dream it, and achieve it here at Mad Handicapping. We don't have time for feelings, but just the facts. You can find us on our website where we give out just a little information on how we work, how we run, what websites we use, what books we use, and any inside better tips. That'll be at madhandicapping.com. If you can't spell that, you're just a fucking jackass. I don't know what to tell you. You can also follow our Twitter page at madhandicap3. That's M-A-D, 
H-A-N-D-I-C-A-P-3. Go follow us. We give out top trends, top bets on there also daily and any other recent sports news that's need to know at the moment. We'll go ahead and post it on there for y'all. Any new podcasts, anything new coming out, that's where you'll get it from. And then, of course, go listen to us at Spotify and also at Apple Podcast. We will be releasing episodes every Saturday is the goal. Sometimes they'll come out Friday if we need to get it a little earlier. But we'll always have them there for you before the Sunday games and before the Sunday bets. So make sure you check it out. We just want want to thank you one more time for your support and all the viewers that just tuned in and listened. And know that it's only going to get better from here. And we really do appreciate it here at Mad Handicapping. That's going to wrap it up here on this episode. I'm your fifth generation gambler. Y'all have a good one now. See you next week.